Welcome to the Women's Health Wisdom and Wine Podcast, a weekly conversation with practitioners, providers, patients, and healers about complex reproductive medicine and women's health challenges, the value of an integrative approach to these challenges, many of the women's health topics you're already thinking about but uncomfortable talking about, and my personal favorite, wine. I'm your host, Dr. Lorena White, an integrative reproductive medicine and women's health provider, licensed acupuncturist, clinical herbalist, and a former labor support doula in the Washington, D.C. metro area. My goal is to bring women's health-specific evidence and expertise to the forefront of daily women's health and wellness news through informative conversations. If you have ideas, questions, and specific topics that you would like us to cover in future podcast episodes, please leave them in the comment section or send us an email at info at lorenawhite.com. To learn more about our team's approach to care, visit our website at www.lorenawhite.com. As you enjoy the podcast, conversations, and wine time, please remember that this podcast is not designed to be a substitute for a bona fide relationship with a licensed or certified healthcare professional. In today's episode, Lauren Cornegay talks with me about the origin story of endoblack, endometriosis as a full body disorder, and about bringing more awareness to endometriosis at the second annual endoblack conference in March. Let's listen. Welcome, welcome, welcome. We're back and we're here with the illustrious Lauren Cornegay. And I'd like you to start, Lauren, by introducing yourself and giving us the origin story of Endo Black. Yes, well, thank you for that introduction. I love the word illustrious. Um, my name is Lauren Renee Cornegay. I am the founder and executive director of Endo Black Incorporated. Um, Endo Black Incorporated originally started because I was diagnosed with endometriosis in March um, of 2011. And during my uh, diagnosis, I recognized that uh, it was some things that I, I didn't like about struggling through this uh, diagnosis alone. Um, I reached out to a couple of support groups to talk about African-American women, women of color. And it just seemed to be, you know, one race and one type and one look and I just felt like it was more to that. Um, and my mother always told me when there is a void, fill it. And that's exactly what I did. So in 2015, I created the platform Endo Black, not knowing that it would grow onto a, a organization the way it has. But in 2019, a lot of people decided they wanted to get together. They wanted to see each other. They wanted to meet each other face to face. So we did a meet and greet. And since then, we have continued to grow, uh, expand uh, tremendously in the community, supporting people, um, advocating, spreading awareness, and just making sure that we are supporting each other uh, as to what we know as endometriosis among African-American women, a woman of color. Excellent. I love that. So endometriosis is frequently misunderstood and misdiagnosed. Um, because it's a full body disorder. And as a result, women are often mistreated in all sense of the word, mistreated and mistreated. So talk to us about your personal experience with endometriosis as a diagnosis. Um, for me in general, I, I think that it has been uh, quite interesting. Honestly, I was diagnosed, like I said, on March the 18th um, of 2011. I did not know anything about endometriosis, um, especially in the African-American community. We think a lot of things are um, deemed as normal or that's just the way it is. And we're supposed to be strong black women and we're supposed to continue on. Um so as a child in my teenage years, um, even a little bit of college, I had some excruciating pains when I, I had my cycle. Um, I was in a lot of pain. There were certain things and certain symptoms that I didn't understand, like chest pain. I had sharp pains in my back. Um, and you know, I, I just didn't understand, but from the perspective of my mom, which was something that she was told was that's just the way it was. Um, 
So unfortunately, we weren't able to really recognize these things until I ended up going to college. I had my midterms and Morgan State University is the university in which I attended. Uh, for some reason, we did homecoming and midterm week right around the same exact time, which, you know, if anybody knows, that's anxiety. Um, so I was a little bit stressed out and I ended up, um, finishing up my cycle, but I was getting ready to do a presentation in my speech class. I'm a speech major. And for some reason, something was like, go to the restroom, go to the restroom. I went to the restroom and noticed that I, my cycle had started again. Mm. Um, and that was the first time that had ever happened. Um, I didn't understand. So I ended up going to the OBGYN, emergency OBGYN in Mercy Hospital. Uh, she ended up telling me to go to OBGYN immediately, and I did. Um, and I was able to speak to a woman by the name of Dr. Maria Kay. Uh, and she just, you know, said, hey, tell me about your periods. And I told her about my periods. And I told her about, you know, my symptoms. She was like, none of that is normal. None of that is normal. And I was like, oh, Okay. Okay. So what, what's the problem? She was like, let me see, we can do a pelvics exam. Um, and we'll let you know. And I ended up having a reverted uterus, which is actually a, a very common symptom of endometriosis. But after being diagnosed when I had my surgery, because the only way to diagnose in this situation is through surgery, that was kind of it. It was like, you're, you have it. There was no pamphlets. Um, there was no guidance. There wasn't anything. And, you know, I'm not, I'm still not bothered by the gynecologist who diagnosed me because without her, we wouldn't have a diagnosis at all. So I think she did what she knew to do best. Um, but I'm just glad that there's more information out there. So unfortunately, a lot of African-American women don't have that. They don't have that awareness piece to say, okay, something is wrong. Let me go. And when they do say something is wrong, they're told that they're making it up. Um, it's all in their head or they just get pushed with pain medication or they're told that they can handle their pain. Um, and I'm not sure, but this is a thing that American Medical Association in 2016 actually reported that 50% of the medical trainees believed that black women had, um, different nerve endings and that we can handle pain differently from white women. So, you know, the experience for black women has been uh, tremendously difficult when it comes to things of this nature. For me in particular, mine has not been as terrible as a lot of other women, uh, but there's been some um, crazy experiences. I'm certain of it. And, you know, you can date this information all the way back to J. Marion Sims, who in the 1800s, early 1800s, actually operated on African enslaved women um, without their consent because as uh, somebody that's enslaved, they can't give consent. Right. Um, and, you know, the gynecology world was built off of that. Yeah. So it's, it's, you know, all of the history behind it is really important for people to be aware of. And I think that's so important to emphasize because I think if we don't know how we got to this point, we don't understand how those thoughts, those beliefs all of that is built already built into the system before we even exactly. become a part of it. And when we think about, oh, they're treating me differently because they have a preconceived notion or an idea has been planted in them that this is what it is, mm -hmm. this is facts, this is how it is, then they just go about day-to-day -day life treating mm -hmm. you as if this is a medical fact when it's yep. not, can even be anything far farther from it. So that's important to recognize and also mm -hmm. important to recognize that the diagnosis and surgery is for most people just the beginning. It is not the end. It's the beginning right. because it doesn't really, like you mentioned, it doesn't really talk about the healing steps or what to do afterwards to start the healing yes. process. The so, pain management process, yes. the, all of those things. Getting your team together, like just all of the whole comprehensive components to mm -hmm. what, what comes next. And I think that's important. And I'm glad that you highlighted that. So pro please provide some insight. You started doing it already about the history of endometriosis as a diagnosis and how its evolution has affected black women and other women of color. Yeah. So we, you know, we talked about J. Marion Sims and uh, the evolution, but there's a lot of information out there in general about their exploitation of black bodies. And um, there's a book um, by Harriet Washington. 
the medical part side. I'm uh-huh. sorry. How could I forget? The I was going to say it, it, but I was like, I don't, I don't want to take, I don't want to steal your shine. I was like, but I know what it is, but I'll, I'll wait. <laughs> yes, the medical part side is just one example of how, um, History has shown us where uh, there has been exploitation on black bodies. In particular, we talked about J. Marion Sims, but most recently, even uh, ICE is an example of that. In 2020, when they were actually uh, forcing Hispanic women to get um, their tubes tied mm-hmm. and and performing procedures on them without uh, a proper translator or full explanations as to what's happening. So these things are still currently happening. And these things can truly affect um, how we continue to get to a better place. Because if that's happening in 2020, you can only imagine how we can't get to a better place if we're consistently per- doing the same type of behavior. And you made a really good point earlier. You stated that if we don't know where we come from, how do we grow from it? Um I say all the time, it's great that they took down statues. You took down the statue of J. Mary Sims. That's amazing. But if you're not changing the dialogue, if you're not talking about the dialogue, if we're not changing the wording, uh, you know, you can say that he's no longer the father of gynecology, but the wording and and the preconceived notions and all of the documentation that he has done has not changed. Mm -hmm. Though he has probably, you know, brought a lot of insight based off of some things he has some preconceived notions along with many other people uh, that can be very, very harmful to us. And one is just that we feel pain differently. Yeah. And that's and regardless if we felt pain differently, that doesn't mean we should be deprived of pain medicine or having operations to actually um, get us through the day, the week, the year. Uh, you know, because I think it's still important to listen to your patients and not to shun your patients or to just simply ignore them. Um, I think another thing is the first pe- the first thing that a lot of doctors say is, like, oh, 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 you know, at one point you couldn't have endometriosis as a black woman. It was oh. considered a white woman's working disorder. Yeah. Um, I am working, but I am not white. <laughs> so it's like, right. you know, we're, we're, you know, getting to a place of more awareness, but at the same time, if we don't change those no, you know, notions of, you know, you can't have this, you can only have fibroids. It, it makes it a big difference. And, you know, a lot of people may say like, oh, that's racist. Endometriosis doesn't see color. That's not what we're saying. Um, we have soul food and I, I love using this example. We have soul food. And because we have soul food, we eat differently than other people. Uh, so because we eat differently than other people, we sometimes want to keep our soul food. But because we have endometriosis, how can we make that a little bit healthier so we don't lose our soul, if that makes sense? <laughs> right. So, you know, for us in particular, we have different hair textures. Mm-hmm. What type of, uh, you know, chemicals and what type of products can we use in our hair? Because as we know, some women with endometriosis, unfortunately, they, they lose hair. It could be due to stress. It could be due to other different things. Um, so those are just examples of why it's important to recognize and have representation for African-American people or African-American women, especially women of color also. Um, Native American women, Hispanic women. These things are very different. Everybody's culture is different and we need to understand certain things. That's very similar to sickle cell anemia and understanding how it affects that population. So I don't see anything wrong with it, but we just have to have more awareness around it. Yeah, and I think I hope I answered the question. Oh yeah, you did. You did. I like it when you go in because it's like, okay, you answered that question and then some. So that just gives me a lead into my next question. So you you doing your thing. You doing your thing. But I think, and it's like, hmm. I often am frustrated because again, I don't have endometriosis, but I see endometriosis at least once a day and definitely multiple times during the course of a week. Because Mm -hmm. patients come in and they have had their third, fourth, whatever surgery. They have tried endo diets. They have tried all the things Mm -hmm. and there have been no conversations about lifestyle changes. They've had no conversations about managing endometriosis, the endocrine disruptors that they're taking or using in, whether it be through hair products, whether it be through skincare products, whether it be through food, whether it be and healthy is just, oh, this is a healthy food, but is it healthy for you? And I don't think we have a conversation about, oh, this food is healthy. Okay. But healthy for whom? Because if there's something that's estrogen 
inducing now you're just mm-hmm. giving me something that's soy. feeding the soy which is like everyone's gonna say oh you need to be a vegetarian or you need to be a vegan vegan food is soy based boo and so now mm-hmm. all you're doing is feeding the thing that's slowly trying to kill you and mm-hmm. it doesn't make any sense because there's not ha- we're not having those kind of conversations and on the flip mm-hmm. side as patients when someone's saying you have to make some dietary modification, just like you said, I'm not telling you to take away every bit of soul food that you have. I'm not trying to take away anything that makes, you know, life a little bit better and, and enjoy it. But if this is the thing that's feeding the thing that's trying to kill you, where does the buck stop? It has to, right. there has to be some change. Um, and in the healthcare system in general, we are, the onus sometimes is put on the providers, but the system in itself has breeded these providers to have these certain viewpoints and they just keep getting propagated year after year, day after day, patient after patient. And even after someone gets hurt or is harmed by some of these thoughts and processes, they're oftentimes considered one-offs and not considered, oh no, this is a practice way of being because it should never have happened in the first place. In the first place. Yeah. So talk to us, uh, get a little bit more about some of those misconceptions and or mistruths about endometriosis that patients and providers alike propagate. And as a result, others begin to believe to be true. Um, well, I'm going to go back to, cause you, you dropped a lot. Um, <laughs> but the veganism thing, that is one of the things that people talk about so often about how if you change your diet, this will happen. If you change your diet, this will happen. It's true. Changing your diet does, it does help, but everybody is not the same person. So what one person may do, it may not work for another person. And that was a really good point about how you said, uh, estrogen. Soy has estrogen in it. So that includes chickpeas, which is hummus. Mm-hmm. That includes edamame. Mm-hmm. Um, that includes black beans. So if we're vegan, most places may do black bean burgers, mm-hmm. which to be honest, tears my stomach up worse than actual red meat. Right. So, you know, we just have to be mindful and then we have to do our own research on it. And then another thing. I think, um, and it's not all medical professionals, but I think it's important for medical professionals to be honest with their patients and be honest and say, the truth of the matter is, if I perform the surgery on you, I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen, but here are your options. I'm going to lay out every single option for you, and this is the choice that you can make, and then let's get there. What happens is people say birth control can heal you, pregnancy can heal you, hysterectomies can heal you, but the truth is you don't know. You're not going to know until it happens, you know, because mm-hmm. that's like saying, you know, um, I'm going to go outside and I'm going to drive my car until I run out of gas. And guess what? I, I don't know what's going to happen when I run out of gas, but I'm not going to wait until I figure it out. I'm going to put gas in my car because I don't want to I don't want to see what that's like. Right. So we're going to try to do as much research as possible to figure out, OK, what is the next step? OK, that's. This surgery is not working. I don't want you to have 22 surgeries. Mm-hmm. Let's see how we can do another task. Let's see, can we do another thing? And to be honest, there are people that are operating on people that don't know what they're doing. Yes. Endo specialists should be the only people that are operating on people uh, that have endometriosis specifically to deal with endometriosis. Now, if somebody comes in and it's an emergency uh, and they just happen to open you up and they're like, oh, my God, endometriosis, that's a little different. But if you're scheduling surgery with people that are not endo specialists in reference to endometriosis, it should not be happening. Nope. And there are doctors that actually say that um, they'll say, I'm. I'm sorry, uh, you need to see an endospecialist. But the problem is there's very few endospecialists. So that's when it becomes a little tricky. So that's when we have to do research. We have to understand, okay, there are options. One, two, uh, I need to find an endospecialist. Three, uh, my diet does matter, but it's not going to be the same for everybody else. The products I use does matter. The Sanitary napkins, they do matter because they have chemicals in them. Um, the, you know, the activities I do on a daily basis, they do matter. Getting sunlight does matter. I'm not saying vitamin D cures anybody because I got somebody tried to cuss me out about that. (laughs) But as we know, as African American people, vitamin D is very crucial to us and it's very, very important for us to get that. Um, so like I said, hysterectomies, 
That is not a cure. It is not. Now, it's a procedure that happens and it could assist, but it should not be the go-to. Pregnancy should not be the go-to. Pregnancy is to bring life into the world. It should not say, oh, you know what? Go ahead and get pregnant to cure because that cure sounds like it's a lot of money. Um, that's, it's 18 that's, years. That's, that's 18 to 26, depending on your insurance. <laughs> yeah. That's a lot that, that's a lot that goes into that. Right. Um, so it's important to recognize these things. And that's what Indo Black does. We provide the platform for people to have these conversations. We talk about hysterectomies and people will say, I've had a hysterectomy. I'm perfectly fine. I can eat anything I want to. You may have somebody else says, I had a hysterectomy. After two years, the pain came back. You have somebody else. Nothing happened. Nothing changed. I still get cramps. So it's a big variety, but you have to be honest with patients. You have to be honest with patients so that patients can understand these are your chances. But patients have to do their research. These doctors, no offense to any of them, if they don't have endo, they're not going to know how you feel. You can tell them, you can say on a scale of one to 10, this is a really big one. We never want to seem weak. So people say on a scale from one to 10, how much do you hurt? You're like, oh, three. You better tell them 25. I was about to say, tell them 30. Can you just go ahead on and just jump to 30? So yeah. then people understand Don't this is not humble. a drill. This is not a drill. Yeah, this is, this is not for fake. You need to let these people know that you are in pain because we try to seem humble. We try to seem really strong. That's not what our role is. Our role is to be human. And it feeds into um, the narrative so- that... Of. black people don't it can't be that bad you aren't in that much pain if it's only a three because i mean a three ain't even halfway i mean and it just so why are you even here so what are you really here for you just now you become that patient who is drug yep. seeking and that yep. that starts another whole scut list Ooh, of it. stereotypical yep. things because when you're in the er and again there are patients who are drug seeking because they come off the street they want any type but you become and that patient. Not saying they don't exist. oh no it's not that they don't exist however mm-hmm. do you want to be that person because that stuff goes in your file trust me i know they write down it follows you every single place you go that you're drug seeking only when you're trying to get some attention to some pain that you're experiencing that is not Mm -hmm. being alleviated by normal within normal means and normal doses you shouldn't have to just you know be dumping out a bottle of and down in a bottle of painkillers of any sort every every aspect and during the aspects of your menstrual cycle or outside of yeah i don't even i'm not even gonna lie i really don't like taking um pain medicine um i try my best and even like explore other ways we talk about and some people don't believe it that's perfectly fine but meditation may help you you know what i'm saying giving womb massages that's what they call it i didn't even know it was a name i just do this to my stomach (laughs) i hit it every now and then i don't know you know so we have to come up with other ways that work best for us weighted blankets looking to things like that And another thing that I think is really important is that people are honest. I talked about being honest with your pain, but be honest with all of your symptoms. You probably don't even know that the symptoms you're having are symptoms of endometriosis. So when you go into a doctor's office with your journal and your notepad and your pen from two weeks, a month, whatever you've written down, you sit down and you say, I've had some weird some weird stuff going on and it may be brain fog. You may not even know that brain fog exists. It's like my brain feels this cognitive thinking. I'm kind of off. It feels kind of cloudy. Um, you know, I get sharp pains in my back. I might have sharp pains in my stomach. Um, I'm having pain in my lower. I have pain in my knee. I got random bruises on my leg. Tell them every single thing yeah. that happens to you. Because if, if you, you only talk about pain, that's not, enough for people to recognize that something else is wrong you can tell them every single thing in the book they're like hold on hold on Mm -hmm. (laughs) you mean to tell me you have all of those symptoms we need to figure out what's going on versus i hurt at a at a pain level of three yeah you know we have to be very very honest and very transparent now if you do that and you don't feel comfortable with your doctor find another doctor get a new one fire them fire them and we, don't we let do other people doctors. go to them i find yeah some yeah, people yeah. like Surveys. you don't like that doctor when people, people ask you, like you about doctor. the referral be like you can go anywhere else but don't go here and give a reason why and i yeah don't just say don't because yeah. then you sound like you're right, that, yeah, right. 
the point is you keep we keep recycling these bad doctors or doctors who aren't mm-hmm. listening who aren't supportive who aren't aware and they keep right. harming other women one day that woman mm-hmm. could be your daughter your niece your cousin your sister because you didn't say hey don't go to doctor so-and-so because they exactly. didn't xyz and just like you were like oh doctor so-and-so was excellent We've got to have that same weighted scale when someone is be either harmful, uh, do- mm-hmm. speaking to you pejoratively, or any other thing that's not helping you toward healing. And mm-hmm. continuing to allow those doctors to exist are, con- are the patients allowing the system to continually be broken. Because we have yeah. more power than we even realize. Because we if have you a voice. Can, yeah, we definitely have a voice. Use it. And if someone is not doing their jobs, you know, get them out, get them off of the cycle of physicians that are options. When you don't yeah. have any patients, when you start seeing your reviews and things go down, people pay attention to that. People read and reviews and they recognize that. And guess yep. what? That's affecting their salary. That's affecting their practices. Mm-hmm. And again, they can't stay in business. So use that voice. And again, don't abuse it just because someone looked yeah. at you sideways and now you're going to No, we're talking about the actual care component. Because again, yeah. they're continue people who are continuing doing, yeah, don't be petty. Yeah, but if someone, and not because you had to wait a long time, that's not about, that's not patient care. That's, that's the hospital. Right. You know, you can still do your survey specifically on that hospital, but the service from the doctor needs to be evaluated correctly. Correct. And I tell people all the time, the same way you would get upset and make a review about a restaurant when you had nasty food or somebody messed up your car the same way you know we're really big on materialistic things we're real materialistic we're real big on our food oh let me speak to your manager Uh real quick but when it comes to our health we're not we're not the same Mm -hmm. so we need to be keep that same energy from your food your car to your body and your own health Exactly. Precisely. Precisely. Okay. I love it. Um, (laughs) With the full gamut of options, you were talking about that earlier on, making educated healthcare decisions is challenging at best. What are some of the non-conventional, meaning not the traditional, not the conventional things that you would, when you go to the doctor, they have surgery, painkillers, hysterectomies, things of that nature, the non-conventional options that people living with endometriosis can explore? Um, Acupuncture for sure. Uh, pelvic floor therapy, definitely. Um, looking into supplements that are beneficial. I know magnesium works wonders. Um, looking into zinc, looking into definitely having vitamin D. Uh, there are some other things. It just really depends on, you know, your body type. Um, maca root is pretty good. I've heard that helps with like infertility. Um, definitely looking at weighted blankets. I love my weighted blanket. Um, just don't get a weighted blanket that's too heavy for you to maintain. <laughs> You'll be struggling at night. <laughs> <laughs> um, why can't I turn over <laughs> get me out of here um, definitely want to make sure that you're looking into your tea uh, you know raspberry tea I've heard that that does wonders I do a, a little bit of hibiscus tea but I make my own okay. um, you want to make sure that you're getting enough vitamin K so that may look like spinach um, mustard grains collard grains now I'm not telling you to cook your collard grains like we do you know, in the South, that's not what I'm saying is, you know, you got to have some type of level to it where you can still, if you're, if you're cooking food that is green and it is now olive green, you are missing all of the nutrients. You just throw it away. You're missing a point. Or drink the pot liquor or drink yeah. the pot liquor. If you're going to cook the life out of it, don't pour the pot liquor out because that's where all the nutrients are. All I tell people that all are. the time. You can, you can have cook the life out your greens, but that pot liquor is where is that? You could drink yeah. that as a beverage. Don't don't throw out. If you want to eat the greens, eat the it's greens. It's like a broth, but it's a broth. Yes, it is yeah. literally a nectar. Not that it's sweet, but in terms of all the minerals, the nutrients, the vitamins, everything that's in that yeah. pot liquor I, is everything. I'm glad you said that it's not sweet because somebody is going to be mad at you. Um, <laughs> she told me to drink pot liquor because she said it was nectar, and um, no. <laughs> Nectar meaning that it was good for, it does the body good. It does the body good. Yes. Yes, It is not. Um, (laughs) Definitely look into juicing. If you, if you like, I I love to juice celery juice. Again, not, it's not sweet. It, it, you know, it's an acquiring taste. Cucumber juice. Um, that is an acquiring taste. Carrot juice, all of that. Or you can do a smoothie. Um, be mindful of that. And I'm definitely going to encourage everybody 
to limit the dairy as much as possible. I've always said that dairy isn't good for black people anyway. Uh, nobody really believed me, but here we are. Um, but dairy just isn't good for it human beings. We're the only we're the only <laughs> mammals who drink another mammal's milk. Like no, that- weird. Um, but I still like cheese, so I'm yes. going to be honest with you. I love cheese, but just just be mindful of it. Um, I said tea. Uh, Turmeric, turmeric, yeah. Turmeric is you can drink it. Mm-hmm. You can make it into a tea if you want to add it to your food and eat it. You can do that too. Add turmeric to your diet. Add ginger to your diet. Yes. Um, especially like if you ever have a headache, if you're feeling nauseous, ginger works wonders. Um, just slicing it up, slicing up a little bit at a time. Um, something else that ha- helps me with like headaches, um, is just looking at tea tree and peppermint oil. I might put oh and lavender oil. I might put them on my temples. I might put it on my neck just so I can smell something um you know refreshing. And my headache normally goes away with that. So just looking at all these different things again, everything doesn't work for everyone. So just be mindful. Uh, anytime you're diagnosed with endometriosis or any other chronic illness for that matter, you want to just make sure that you are understanding that for the next couple of months, it will be a trial and error. Write down what works, write down what doesn't work. So you won't go back to it. So those are some of the things that I I try to tell people that are uh, non-conventional ways of helping um, somebody with endometriosis. Absolutely. And you talk about, especially when you talked about food and turmeric, from a clinical basis, endometriosis has a large inflammatory component. So when you think about foods that are inflammatory, we're thinking about the alcohol, the caffeine, the um, dairy, mm-hmm. the gluten. And so mm-hmm. when you look at those, they're like, wait a minute, those are all my faves. Yes, but you could have <laughs> like, oh my goodness, gluten tears you up, but maybe dairy doesn't. Or dairy tears you up, but caffeine doesn't. Or caffeine right. drives you up the wall, and everything else you're good so it's again one of those things that you may have to play with to determine what are your triggers and in mm-hmm. what doses and what frequency right and what amount because you may have a little bit of something and it's not a problem but you have you know especially and I, i'm going to share this because um I, I don't eat red meat very often i don't cook red meat you know i know how i've cooked steak and stuff like that before i don't eat it very often because i i don't cook it but if somebody's cooking me dinner and it's there, <laughs> I'm most likely going to eat it. But I eat it right. towards um, a certain, like if I'm out, I, I try not to eat too much of it right. because I know that I'm out and I'm still going to have to feel a certain way. It may make, make me sluggish versus it's summertime and we're doing cookouts. But guess what I'm going to do? Take these ribs home and I'm going to crush them <laughs> while I'm at home. And if I'm in pain, that's where I'm at. Underneath my weighted blanket and crawled up in a ball. But I enjoy my ribs. Right. So you just have to be mindful and eat in moderation and also know that, hey, I may not be able to enjoy this right now, but later on in the day I can. Yes. And that is also talks to the evolution of endometriosis in that when you were first diagnosed, maybe none of those things were triggers. Maybe everything was fine. Like you could eat everything and it was like, okay, this wasn't, this didn't make anything worse or better or anything Mm -hmm. else. And two years later, dairy is tearing you up or you have look at red meat and it's like, oh my goodness, the flare up or anything else or alcohol or any of those combinations and making sure that at the time you got to think about it may not like some things you eat, like you have an anaphylactic reaction and it happens immediately. That's not what's going to happen with endometriosis. You may eat it like when you're menstruating and then your ovulation is, is you're in pain. You may be ovulating and then your, you know, menstruation or your premenstrual symptoms are different. So think about it in that regard in terms of evolution and the timing. And there's, things two things i want to share so that one time where i ate some food and it did hurt me immediately it was red cabbage i think i literally ate two bites and immediately i was like i want to kill somebody you know because i was in so much pain so that was like a quick but i've had regular cabbage and nothing Mm-hmm. nothing was a problem so it's maybe how you cook it yeah. what type of food is it like is this going to affect you in that manner and then 
you mentioned ovulation, um, uh, the luteal phase and all of these things. I think it's important for people to recognize it. The full moon, uh, is, I don't know much about it. I just know that when it's full moon, it's about that time for me to, my body to start doing different things. And I, in 2020, for sure, for three months straight, it took me three months to recognize it. The first time it happened, um, it was a Friday that Thursday night. I had went out uh, with my friends and we went to happy hour. I had nachos and I had a drink. I said, girl, you can't handle your liquor. You throwing up. You got a headache. Ooh, like what's wrong with you? The next month, that Thursday, did the same thing. Didn't realize it, but it was a different capacity. I think I had a milkshake and um, then I had some wine a different type at night. Friday. Same thing, throwing up, headache, migraine, couldn't even turn the light on. I said, huh, girl, you really, you really can't hold your liquor. It took me three times to recognize that every single time I had liquor or it wasn't, no, the last time I didn't have liquor, every single time I had dairy, mm-hmm. it was that Thursday, Friday headache, period Monday. So because my period was coming, I was indulging in dairy products right before my period and my body was rejecting it. So it took me a while to recognize it, but because I was jotting information down, keeping a chart in my phone, recognizing what, you know, what it was that I was doing to my body, I was like, oh, girl, you've been setting yourself up this entire time. Right. And now it's like, okay, I mean, it doesn't happen anymore, but that I had to deal with that for a full year of 2020. Yeah. And now it doesn't happen at all, but that's how endometriosis works. You may have these symptoms and then you may not. I've never had brain fog when I first was diagnosed. The older I've gotten, I've had brain fog. Um, I also, this is my... um my belief uh, that I am allergic to pesticides. And the reason why I say that is because I cannot have lemons, limes, mangoes, pineapples, um, kiwi. Yeah. But when I'm in a different country, perfectly fine. Mm-hmm. And that's when that, I was in that's Florida, that dirty, that the clean 15 and the dirty, 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 I think it's like the dirty 30 and the clean 15, uh-huh. or the dirty dozen, so, the dirty dozen and the clean 15. Oh, dirty yeah. So yeah. there's, there's a difference. We just have to pay attention. And it's not necessarily the food I'm allergic to. It's the chemical because I live in Maryland and food that is uh, tropical is naturally grown in tropical areas. Maryland is not a tropical place, not. but strawberries may be grown here, you know? So it's, mm-hmm. a, it's a little bit different. But when I was in Florida or when I was in Costa Rica or Thailand, I was having these foods and nothing was happening mm-hmm. versus... It having to be sprayed with pesticides so that it can stay fresh, be put on a truck, travel all the way here to be put in the grocery store so that it can last. And then me eating it and recognizing that it is a problem. And it's the same thing with pasta. If you go anywhere in Europe, you will realize, oh, I don't have a I don't have a gluten issue. It's not the pasta. No, it's what's putting on the wheat that's mm-hmm. grown in the U.S. that causes wheat isn't the problem. Me yeah. Wheat will tear me up. Yeah. And it's, but you go somewhere else and it's like, oh, they don't spray everything with all the yep. things that we, you know, by the time it gets to us, because we refuse yeah. to eat within season, we refuse to eat local. We refuse to eat things. Why are you eating uh-huh. mangoes right now? I don't even understand why there are mangoes right now in January in the grocery store. Anyway, yeah, you can't, Just like, you know, cranberries really are the only fruit that I've ever seen come out during the time it's supposed to be here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cranberries are the only fruit that it's like, oh, we don't have any. But all of a sudden, you know, it starts getting cold. Guess what's in the store? Cranberries. Yeah. Any other time, it's like nowhere to be found. That's the only fruit I know. Yep. That's pretty accurate. But right now you'll see mangoes out. And I'm like, who's eating these? They're not ripe. They're not good. Like who who's, who's buying these? It? Who's buying these? <laughs> it should not be. It's not in season. It's not in season. And just like strawberries, like there's strawberry farms in Maryland. Like if if I can't go and pick strawberries, I shouldn't be eating you them right be now. Eating them. It, that's mm-hmm. in season, whole and local. You'll be able to find it. Yeah. And if you can't, genetically modified organisms. Yeah. So all of that is this are endocrine disruptors. And if it's disrupt, disrupting your endocrine system, it's messing with your estrogen. Mm-hmm. And endometriosis is an estrogen sensitive, estrogen dominant yes. condition. And anything that's disrupting that entire pathway is going to affect how endometriosis affects you. 
Mm-hmm. All right. So we're talking to you now. It's beginning of February, but next month at this time, we'll be yes. in the throes of Endometriosis Awareness Month. So let's talk about your second annual Endo, Endo Black Conference. What can we expect and how yes. can people participate? Yeah, so we we are so excited for this conference. This is our first in-person conference. It will be located in Oxon Hill, Maryland. Um, I'm super excited because that's pretty much my backyard. Um, we are looking to have an amazing key, keynote speaker come out. We have two panel discussions. One panel discussion will be focused on working with endometriosis. Mm. The second one will be discussing skincare and endometriosis. As we know, a lot of people may have some difficulties with both of those uh, topics and making sure that they're advocating for self, their self in the workforce, but also making sure that their skincare is popping and that they have the glow going on. Um, so we're super excited. People can learn about our conference by looking at our website, www.endoblack.org. Um, we have sponsorship opportunities. We have opportunities for VIP people to come. Um, we have regular admission, and we're just super excited. We have people coming in. Of course, everything is going to be uh, COVID protected because I think that is the key here, um, safety first. And I want to make sure people feel comfortable, but I'm just really excited to see Endo sisters of all kind um, come out and really just enjoy and take a take a, a moment to connect with each other. I think it's important to see people, you know, face-to-face. That's what the community has been asking for. We just finished our feedback survey. They are really excited to really get some things going and being a part of the community. So I think this will be a great opportunity to really just connect, see other people's faces, you know, do a little elbow bump, a little fist pump, because we still keeping six feet. Um, but I think that that would be very beneficial. We're super excited. Excellent. I'm looking forward to it. I definitely am. Because again, even as a healthcare provider who does not have endometriosis herself, it is one, it's very important to me to be able to treat comprehensively, integratively the patients and clients who come through our doors. So mm-hmm. piggybacking off of that, what I can bear witness to the havoc that endometriosis can wreak on people's lives. And part of my service is to help address those underlying conditions and facilitate healing outside of endo educated and endo aware providers. How can other people become allies and supporters for black women with endometriosis? Um, the first thing is to listen. I think a lot of times the first and listen with the intent to comprehend, mm-hmm. not listen with the intent to respond. Um, I think when people are asking us, I, I don't know if they think we want it to be fixed by them. You know, a, a lot of times, as we see, people can't fix it. You know, there is currently no cure. Um, So we're just trying to figure out how to manage it. So when someone is sharing their story about endometriosis, don't say, oh, no, 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 my sister had bad cramps. Oh, no, no, no. Well, shouldn't you just, you know, get pregnant? Um, I've heard you can have a hysterectomy and you'll be fine. The, the biggest thing you have to do is listen first and to understand because this is not a womb disorder. This is a lifelong uh, full body disorder that affects our mental, that affects our physical. Uh, it can affect us emotionally and it can affect us financially. So just be mindful of all of those different things. Um, I think another way people can advocate or become allies is just to make sure that we're spreading awareness, making sure that we're sharing. I think uh, a lot of people in my family recognize now that I have endometriosis um, and they share articles with me, even though I've seen the articles, most likely <laughs> I, I don't, you know, I'm not mad at it. It's like, I love that they are recognizing that I have endometriosis and they're sharing information with me because either they saw it and they're excited. Um, they know it's some information or it's just awareness. And that makes it a little bit easier to talk to them about it when necessary. Um, understand that you're not going to understand how somebody feels either. Um, you're not going to get it. Uh, and we're not trying to ask you to get it either. It's like, I don't want you to try to understand my pain. That's like you having a headache and me explaining, like, how do you feel? No, I'm not going to feel it. Like my pain is my pain. Even my pain is different from another person with endometriosis's pain. So we all have to be mindful of that and just recognize that you feel the way you feel. Let me give you your space or let me 
give you, uh, you know, run a warm bath, especially caregivers, especially significant others, uh, parents, especially parents of teenagers who have endometriosis, you know, making sure that you're asking questions. Um, my friends do this all the time, especially because I have allergies, but they're like, what can you eat? Mm-hmm. Can you eat this? Can, you know, can you have this? Is it okay for you to eat this? And I'm like, girl, if you don't just, but it's like, they're, they're trying to do the best that they can and they yeah. want to be supportive. So asking people what they can eat, what they can't eat, um, just being respectful of somebody's time. When somebody says, Hey, you know, I, I can come out and then probably a week later, like, I no. thought I could hang with you. I just, I don't have it in me. Don't get upset. Recognize that they really genuinely cannot hang out because either they're tired. Um, they have flare ups randomly. Um, sometimes they got to leave early. And those are literally things that people don't understand. And it's hard to explain. And they think that, oh, she's always, you know, either lazy or she's not trying to hang with us or she's not trying to be my friend anymore. It's not that. Well, there are people that don't want to be people friends, but th- you know, that may be a different. <laughs> that's, that's another <laughs> podcast episode. <laughs> I will say that sometimes I use endometriosis to get out of things. However, most of the time, it's not to get out of things. Just be respectful. Understand. I think really good things that people could do, running bath waters, especially for your significant other. Um, I saw a husband purchase like a kit. Now, be mindful. The kit he bought had a lot of candy and stuff like that. Don't do that. But, you know, buying a kit of stuff, whether it's, you know... um tea, ginger beer, uh, you know, different little things just make people feel happy. Something sweet. Mm-hmm. Just be, you know, genuine. Do things that you would like for somebody to do for you if you got out of surgery. Really. Right. Think yeah. about how you would feel if you get out of a surgery. What would you like? Yeah. You know, so it's just like small little things like that that go a long way. Um, even like just buying pads. Like I see it, I see it more often. I think I I've really appreciated this. Oh my gosh, this is so, so sweet. Um, my friend's son carries pads in his book bag. She was like, Why are you carrying this in your book bag? She's like, I carry it just in case, you know, the my classmates, my female classmates get on their period and they need pads. And I'm like, Wow. It's working. <laughs> that's that's allyship right there that's allyship that is allyship just supporting and it doesn't have to be you know walking around with a shirt on that says you know f endo like nobody's telling you to do all that or you know the crazy stuff that people be doing we're just asking you to be mindful just to be respectful to give people space and yeah be aware be respectful and just understand that some things you're not going to understand and that's okay you don't have to force yourself to understand so i i I think i kind of scattered a little bit hopefully people understood and take take what you need take you what you need and leave the rest take what you need leave the rest so outside of registering for the conference, everybody register for the conference, endoblack.org, register for the conference, be there. What other resources do you recommend for our listeners who want to heal while living with an endometriosis diagnosis? Um, oh, there's tons of African-American um, endo advocates. Uh, I think that people need to really check them out. I mean, we have April Christina. Um, she has a different platform. It is focused on, um, you know, endometriosis, but she also tells a story about IVF and how that is. Um, you have uh, Sam Denae. She actually is the womb whisperer. Um, she also at one point talked about um, educational uh, endometriosis with teenagers. And I think that that is beautiful. You have uh, Dr. K. She has the, I think is Minute Health. Okay. Health minute. She gonna be mad if I mess it up. We'll make but, it right. We'll make uh, it right on the show notes. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So you know she has it where she shares information every single Wednesday about health, and it's just a minute of health information. Checking that type of stuff out. You have the pretty period. You definitely want to check her out. She actually has a box of non toxic uh, chemical um, sanitary napkins as well as 
treats that you can eat. She shares recipes in the book that are very healthy. She shares notebooks, things of that nature. She has it as a kid. So you may have it for like your teenage daughter or your young daughter who actually just started their cycle. You can purchase that or something like a menopausal kit. Um, so you have a different variety of different people who are doing numerous things in the community for uh, people that have endometriosis and for people that don't have endometriosis. But you can definitely check all that information out. You definitely can check out also Endoqueer, which is an amazing platform. Uh, Les Henderson runs that and she's been doing amazing things with that. Just making sure that we get the awareness out about um people that have endometriosis and not necessarily, you know, discriminating against them or making sure that they are feeling inclusive as possible. So we have a lot of platforms. I encourage everybody to check them out. So uh, definitely look into all of those platforms that I share and also just check out Endo Black in general. You'll see a lot of people on there that you have met, may have never seen as Endo advocates. You have Kyla, April, uh, Chef Radisha. She's in New York. She's a chef with endometriosis, but she tries to cook and share different types of foods that are going to be healthy for people. So again, there's a plethora of information out there. I encourage everybody to check all of those people out um, and really just, you know, familiarize yourself with what makes you comfortable. And I think you, again, thank you for providing all of those different options, because once again, someone, one of those people may resonate with you and one may completely not resonate with you. It doesn't make her information less than, it doesn't make her information wrong. It doesn't make, it's just not appropriate for you or not. It doesn't gel with you. It doesn't resonate, but that's why there's options. That's why she just mentioned about 10, 12 different places <laughs> where you can go to get information and it, I'm guaranteeing it. And I'm putting my, my word, my reputation that one of those, you're going to find at least a gem from listening to, hearing from, plugging into one of those yes. different platforms, one of those different speakers, one of those different ideas, because something is going to hit home with you. And it could be mm -hmm. one, one day, everything is popping. It could be, okay, this today wasn't for me. But the idea is to find the things that are for mm -hmm. you so that you can work yeah. on your own personal health, wellness, and healing journey. So, yeah, Miss Lauren... Yeah. What any parting words of wisdom for our listeners before we sign off? Um, my parting words of wisdom is be kind to yourself. Always That's be it. kind to yourself. That's beautiful. And I think when you're going through pain, when you're going through being misunderstood, mistreated, misdiagnosed, it can be hard because it doesn't seem that anybody is listening, anybody hears you, anybody sees you. And so that's when it's time to, again, advocate for self and have some grace for yourself. Your body isn't failing you. Your body isn't turning against you, but there's just something you have to manage that's different than how other, you know, other people manage their bodies and having grace for yourself is a coping mechanism, but it's also a way to get through those rough patches. And we all need that same word of wisdom. So thank you so much, Lauren. You're and welcome. Thank you so much for having me. I'll see you at the conference. Alrighty. We really hope you enjoyed our conversation today. Thank you for sharing these brief moments in time with us. Take a look at the show notes for more information about today's guest, their contact information, and associated social media channels. Think about one gem you can take away from this episode and apply to your own life. Also, please follow the podcast, leave a five-star rating, and comment telling us what you're enjoying and what you'd like to see more of in future episodes. Till we meet again, remember to nourish your flourish and see you next time.